Hey guys, good evening. Todd Sachs of Sachs Realty and welcome to the third episode of Tuesday Night Live. Right now we're streaming live on our Facebook channel and our YouTube channel. And if you guys are listening to this on video or audio after the recording, um, certainly we would appreciate if you would uh, hit like and subscribe and hit that bell if you're on YouTube so you can get more great content like this. Uh, tonight we talk about everything and anything real estate. Tonight, we have a really exciting episode. We have a friend of mine that uh, is on deck. His name is Neil Roseman, and he owns a company called Lead Probe. And tonight, we're going to discuss everything that you need to know about lead paint. And guys, um, the way that this works is that you can actually comment, uh, and we'll try and answer your questions or your comments or your concerns right here on the show. <clears throat> so if you are on Facebook, you just uh, post your comments or question, and you can chat with us live on YouTube. And if you're watching or listening later, uh, you can send me an email directly at ts at saxrealty.com. That's ts for Todd Sachs at saxrealty.com. <laughs> and so we're a small boutique brokerage here uh, in Maryland. So we're actually kind of nestled right between DC and Baltimore. And we have both residential and commercial divisions. So um, if you're in Maryland, we'd certainly i uh, love to help you directly with your real estate needs. And if you're all over the country and you're listening and tuning in and uh, you'd like some help, we have a broker network all over the country. We'd be glad to make sure that you get pointed in the right direction uh, when you're buying or selling. So um, in this uh, episode, um, we really, we're going to dive deep into, you know, lead paint. You know, is it really dangerous? We hear so much uh, in our business. We have to deal with it all the time with disclosure forms. And we're really talking about properties that are pre-1978. So if you live in a pre-78 home uh, and you're getting ready to maybe do some remodeling or you're looking at buying an older home, uh, this is something you're going to want to listen to. And especially if you're a real estate agent, you just want more knowledge on the subject. Uh, tonight's the night to get that. And you know, if you're a contractor, renovator, you know, tune in. We're going to touch everything, landlords. We're going to talk the whole gamut. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my friend Neil Roseman. Neil, welcome to the show, and tell everybody a little bit about you. Well, thank you, Todd, and thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And uh, I'm uh, I own Lead Probe. We're a, we're a lead paint inspection company, and we've done probably about over seventy to eighty thousand lead paint inspections in Maryland and DC over the last uh, 16 years we've been in business. That's a lot. Yes. So you work primarily, I guess, for real estate agents. You're referred when people want to know if the house has lead or yeah, uh, that, contractors, landlords. Yeah. Well, that's so the people, um, people buying homeowners, buying new houses or, you know, new, new to them houses is about 10 to 15% of our business. And then the other, you know, 80, 85, 90% is landlords because every pre 1978 rental property in the state of Maryland has to be lead paint inspected. Neil, is that nationwide or is that just in Maryland that you know of? Well, it's in several States, but it's not nationwide. Okay. So there's, laws in DC. There's laws up in, um, you know, Massachusetts, but it's, it's state by state. Okay. Gotcha. So what is lead paint? Well, lead paint by definition is, you know, a, a paint that has a certain percent or higher of lead in it. Okay. We can go into details on that, but it's really not that important. Okay. Lead paint and lead paint, is, lead paint itself this, this is interesting about lead paint that a lot of people don't understand is that lead paint itself is safe. 
So lead paint is safe. Lead dust is not. So when lead paint chips, peels, flakes, you know, gets on the floor, so it falls to the floor, it's turned into dust. The kids play on the floor, put their hands in their mouth, suck their thumbs, and that's how they ingest the lead. And that's where the real danger comes from. So some people think that it's the kid actually sucking on the windowsill or with their mouth or whatever, and they're ingesting the actual chip. Is there harm in that or is it just the dust? No, there's absolutely harm in that. But the, the, the myth is that that's the only way to get it. Some, some people, you know, I hear people say all the time to me, well, just don't let your kids eat lead paint chips and you'll be fine. Not really. All they have to do is touch the floor, crawl on the floor, put their hands in their mouth, suck their thumbs, walk around with their fists in their mouth as they're teething, and they can ingest the lead that way in addition to eating the paint chips. The paint chips. So a lot of the dust is created from what I understand, and this is back and forth with conversations over the years with you. Um, a lot of the dust is created on old windows, opening and closing windows. I mean, what, where else does the dust generate? So let's talk about that for a second. So you're correct, but the, it's really important, I think, to understand why that is. So you say, why does it happen on windows? Well, it happens on windows because there's a lot of uh, expansion and shrinkage with the hot and the cold outside versus inside. There's, there's um, moisture around windows, which causes the chipping, peeling, flaking paint. So anytime you've got that defective paint, Okay, it just happens to be around windows a lot. You're going to have that potential for being a lead hazard. The other thing is when you have an abrasion surface. So if you have a window that goes up and down, it's creating microscopic lead dust, even if you can't see it, just by rubbing against itself. And the same thing that would might apply to a stair, you know, stairs or a floor that might be painted with lead paint. Constant microabrasions can be an issue. Okay, but any but the point being is that anywhere you've got defective paint, and if it's lead paint, that's going to create a lead hazard. And I guess in doing home improvements, which we'll get into in a little while here, you know, I mean, certainly there's risk in doing that. Yes. And, yep. So, um, how did we ever know that this stuff was bad? I mean, you know, I grew up. You know, I was born in 1968. So, um, you know, when they made this law, and maybe you can talk a little bit about the law. 78 was the cutoff. How did they know this stuff was bad back then? So the interesting thing, I'm going to put this in perspective for you, Todd. The interesting thing is France outlawed lead paint in 1898. So there wow. was there was plenty of research and scientific evidence and um, anecdotal evidence that there was a problem back then. It took us to up almost 100 years later for the, for the United States of America to outlaw it. But they knew it was a problem back then. We for sure knew it was a problem even in the 40s. So what happened in the 40s is two things kind of happened. One is the war happened. So all the lead went into the bullets and the bombs and all that kind of thing. But they stopped using lead paint on the interior of the properties in the early 40s but still use it on the exterior of the properties because that's where the lead really protected well against the weather, okay? The thing that is amazing about lead paint, and if you see the, if you see the advertisements of the paint cans and the commercials and the newspaper ads from, from 80 to 100 years ago, I'm talking like back in 1920, they say you paint the outside of your house with this lead paint 
and we guarantee it'll be, you know, we'll guarantee it for 20 years. Now, you wow, know, that's, today- That's a long you, time. <laughs> yeah, and that was 100 years ago. With all the technology we have today, we can't, you can't get more than two, three, four, five years out of an exterior painted surface before it starts to deteriorate. Sure. That's how that's how good lead paint was at doing its job of protecting the wood against the elements. Do you know what some of the I mean, what were the symptoms back then? I mean, what, do you know why they said, hey, this stuff is, you know, taking advice from France or I mean, were people getting sick? Well, what they really noticed it, they started to notice it back in like the 1600s in the painters. Because the painters would be dying with such poison bodies at such an early age, um, and, they, and that started that started to create the quote research, whatever you want to call it, back then. And then they, the more research they did, the more evidence was that this was a real problem. And it, what it does is it it affects your brain development. So the body mistakes it for iron. You know, iron obviously you need iron to to grow. It mistakes and it absorbs the lead paint in a young developing nervous system and brain, and it actually disables you mentally. So you see a lot of aggressive behavior. You see a lot of um, uh, lower IQs, that kind of thing. It's 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 hard to pinpoint, but it's it's very obvious over the course of a spectrum of, you know, hundreds of thousands of of children over the decades. Yeah. So you know, I, I've heard where. Uh it may be one of the causes of ADHD. Yep. They say that, you know, um, sometimes uh, people with lead paint poisoning have, um, you know, daytime drowsiness. They have a hard time, yep. you know, getting up and getting ready and going out. Um, so you say they stopped using it in 1940s inside the house or what? what? Yeah. So that's a rule of thumb. So just us based on doing tens of thousands inspections that's what we've kind of found is that in the early 40s, 42, 43, 44, they stopped using lead paint on the on the interior. And then they stopped using it on the exterior in the mid to late 60s. So why 1978? Why do they say, you know, if your house was born or built born, if your house was built, you know, pre-1978, that's when you know you need all these disclosures. So that's when the law went into effect that forbid it to being sold for lead paint. So, and don't quote me on this, but I think in the late 60s, they were, they were told to stop manufacturing lead paint, but they needed almost 10 years to work the lead paint through the distribution systems because it could sit on the shelf at the, at the, in the storage and the, in the, you know, the, the equivalent of Home Depot back then, I guess that would be Sears and those kinds of places. Um, and so, after after 1978, they actually had to pull it off the shelves. Okay, but the rea but the reality is, and this is I think really important for people. The reality is, we find very few houses, very few houses in the 1970s that have lead paint. It does happen, but it's very few. Yeah, and we get asked a lot, you know. So we'll have a, a landlord or somebody that wants to invest, and they'll say, "Well, I only want you know to look at properties that were built after 78," and we're saying, you know, "Hey, look." It doesn't mean, I mean, it could be 65, 1965 and not have lead paint, correct? Correct. And even if there is some lead paint, it might be very minor on the exterior. Okay. So it's definitely, I mean, I, you just have to pay for the test. So if you want to buy, if you're committed to have something lead free and you're going to buy pre-78, you're just going to have to, you know, kind of gut up and pay the 300 to $350 to have it tested. So you know that it is lead free or you can you know, or you can make it lead-free based on what, what you find in that test. 
So, and then I guess it was still used really as like the semi-gloss that actually goes in the windows and the doors. I mean, is that why you're finding it in a lot of these, you know, 1960s houses where it's not actually on the walls, but it's on the trim? Okay, yes, but let me just correct that. So remember, they stopped using lead paint in the early 40s on the inside. Okay. So on the ins so in a 1960s house, almost always they're pretty close to lead-free, okay. assume assuming they have replacement windows. So let's go backwards. Let's go to the 1920s, 1930s. A lot of most of the houses built in Baltimore, they're going to be pretty, you know, pretty loaded with lead, and it's going to be in your you're correct in those glossy paints, and it's going to be predominantly in all the trim baseboards, window casings, door casings, staircase components. But here's the interesting thing. You know, 80 to 90% of the time, it's not in the walls. Okay. So now, is that still in the 1920s and 30s? It's not in the walls? Correct. Interesting. You know, just a rule of thumb, 80 to 90% of the time, it's not for sure. And if it is in the walls, it's going to be in the bathrooms and the kitchens. Now, can you guess why that is? Semi-gloss. Yes, but no. why But why semi-gloss? Um, they want a more durable, you know, be able to clean it. Yeah, because there's more moisture, there's heat, there's moisture, bathrooms, you got showers, so you're getting much, you want to protect the- I was almost there. Yeah, the substrate. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. getting to that, you know? Yeah, you were getting, you were, you, you were <laughs> I was getting around, that. that's right. <laughs> so, so who's at the most risk? I hear, you know, children that are in their de 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 developmental years. So um, is that true? I mean, is yes. are adults at risk? Am I at risk? So, I mean, as a rule of thumb, we're talking kids ages zero through six and pregnant women. People like you, Todd, would not be at risk unless you're pregnant, which I don't think you are. No, <laughs> no, not yet. Anyway, you don't, pl get, you don't, plan, on, you don't plan on getting pregnant. Right. I don't plan on it. And I mean, there are, you could be at risk if you are a contractor dealing with lead paint every day. Okay. Where you could breathe in and you're sanding and scraping and throwing the, the lead dust up in the air and then breathing it in. So that could be an issue. But 99.99% of the time, we're talking kids ages zero through six and pregnant women. Okay. And let me talk, let me break down the zero through six a little bit because it's kind of interesting. So some people are very concerned. Oh, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm having a child. I want to get my house tested. And I'm, you know, they're they're three months pregnant, where they're they're at least a year away from having a concern about the child because the first six months the child's not crawling, walking, you know, it's not, you know, they're in the like so it's really from like six months to to three years where I see all the elevated lead poison, elevated blood levels for lead paint. Okay. Now it doesn't mean you can't get it when you're four or five or six or when you're three months, but you see this huge spike between, you know, eight, between six months and, and, you know, 36 months. So how about the do it yourself uh, project, you know, uh, person that, you know, they're renovating the house that they're living in and, and, you know, it is a 1920s or thirties house may have lead paint in there. And so you say, you know, I'm not at risk as an adult and a contractor that does it every single day. But what type of precautions should people be taking if, you know, they, they, they're renovating their home and they have lead paint? So the, the, what they've done, what they've discovered in the studies is that most white collar people or families get, when they, if they do get lead paint poisoning, they get it through doing renovations to the house. 
And sometimes, and so that could be, you know, disturbing the paint, right? Making chipping peeling, you know, saw, you know, not sawing it, but sanding it or scraping it, throwing it up in the air. Um, it goes out into the different rooms. Maybe you're not using plastic. What I see a lot is I see a homeowner take on a project, him or herself, and take two years to finish it. So at least when the contractor comes in, even if the contractor doesn't do it the right way, it's done incorrectly. There's lead dust everywhere, but then it gets cleaned up immediately and you're pretty safe. Well, but if you do it and, you, and you're taking time, you get distracted for six months, you, that's when you could actually create a real he lead hazard because le elevated blood levels, i.e. lead poisoning, happens as a rule of thumb over prolonged exposure. It doesn't happen just touching one time and putting your hands in your mouth. So if you're disturbing your kitchen and you're doing a little bit of work every day and you keep creating lead dust, that's what can create the problem over days, weeks, months, et cetera. So Neil, um, you're called in a lot of times for, and, and we're going to get into the contractor side of things yep. and, the, and the landlord, um, you know, some of the concerns that landlords should have. And we're going to talk about that. And there are definite concerns. Uh, but you're called in a lot of times as expert witness uh, to give testimony on, you know, lead poisoning. And do you have any, you know, stories that you can tell us that, are, you know, where people that you know that have, you know, had lead paint poisoning and, and what, you know, how they are or, you know, what the extremes were of that? Right. So. So let me say a couple of things. One is a lot of um, parents, when I deal with homeowners, okay, as opposed to tenants, are very concerned about all the things that they maybe should be a lower priority. They're, they're worried about lead in soil. They're worried about the outside the house with lead. Uh, they're worried about the toys from China. All that is a legit concern, absolutely. But they've kind of proven that 98% of all lead poisoning with children comes from the lead paint in the house. It's not all the other stuff. That's only two to three percent of the poisoning. Okay. So it's we deal with this probably about three times a month. We get a call with an elevated blood level from a from a parent. Okay. It's automatically reported. So when it when a the way that you test for lead, this is kind of interesting too, is usually the child gets a finger prick and a little little bit of blood, blood comes out and they test it. It's called the capillary test. It's not very, it's not the most accurate test, but it gives them a sense. If that test positive, then they go back and do a blood draw where they actually, you know, stick the needle in and take the blood out. That's the most accurate way. So what'll happen is most kids in target housing, target housing is defined as pre-1978 properties are required to get tested as part of their um, pediatrician visits. Okay, so the pediatrician does a normal test, tests for lead, pulls, draws their blood, and then boom, let's say it, it tests over a five. Five is kind of the number right now, which is down from 10 just a few years ago, which is down from 30 15 years ago. So they keep lowering. I mean, they've really established that there is no safe level of lead in your blood. Okay, so what happens, and this is what you also need to understand, is that when the doctor finds out that it's positive, you get notified, and obviously your doctor will talk to you about what to do, but then the doctor is required to notify the health department, and the health department will come out, and the health department might make you do certain abatement, you know, to protect the child against any further problems. I mean, a five is not, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's always the end of the world when it's your child, right? 
But as a lead inspector, we're not so worried about a five. What we're worried about is that five becomes a 10 or a 15. So we want to like stop, we want to nip it in the bud and bring it back down to a one, a two, or three and so not how, have it go up. So how old are these children when they first start testing? Usually around two. Okay. So they test them. Okay. So the they were they basically say, Are you living in a house that's pre-1978? Or do they say, Have you ever lived in a house that's pre-78? It seems to go by like zip codes. So okay. like that, you know, you might be in a new house, but if you're in Baltimore City, you're getting tested. Okay. That kind of thing. Yeah. So this is and like a pre-testing also for school, right? I mean, you have yep. to get certain tests and lead yep. is one of them. And they get, and they, I think, I believe they get finger pricked at, at school also. So they're, they're getting consistently tested throughout their younger years. The exceptions to that, which I have found might be illegal immigrants, and, that, and I've seen some of the highest elevated blood levels in the 40s and 50s because I think they're afraid, either they don't know, they're ignorant, or they're afraid to go to doctors and get, and get so they don't get tested. So one of, the, one of the best things that we've ever done as a society is test the kids because now we catch it at such an early stage that we can intervene and make sure it doesn't get up to 30, 40, 50, where you're starting talking about potential brain damage. So does the elevation happen with continued exposure or can you test at a five and then still not be exposed to it anymore and it continues to go up? You would, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I would say based on what I've read and learned and experienced is the continued exposure has it go up. If you stop the exposure, it comes back down. Okay. It goes down. It doesn't stay that way. I mean, does Correct. lead ever leave your body? I heard it never leaves your body. It's, it's stored in the bones, in the marrow, which is one of the reasons why it's an issue for pregnant women, because if you had an elevated blood level that might be just stored in your bones, when you become pregnant, the hormones release that lead into the bloodstream, which then gets into the fetus. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So if the uh, mom had been exposed to lead and it's in her bone marrow, then she could actually contaminate her child later? Her fetus. Her fetus, through two ways, through just the blood in the fetus, right? Because now the, the, the hormone changes when, so, when a woman gets pregnant, for whatever reason, releases that lead into the bloodstream from the bone marrow, okay? The second way that can happen is through breastfeeding. So let me give you a, a, a great, an unbelievable story from my perspective. This will kind of blows my mind. I had an elevated blood level in a very white collar, very wealthy home in Washington, D.C. Go down there, find just a small amount of lead in a couple spots. And there was no way, in my view, how that child would get lead poisoning from those small spots. So I knew we did not find the solution. And we started we started testing all the plateware and the silverware and the glassware that the child used, found nothing. Finally, I, I asked if they were breastfeeding and they said, yes. I said, great, you should have the wife get tested. The wife gets tested and comes back at over a 50. Now remember, we're talking about five. The, the health departments get involved with a five for a child and, and the mother tests as a 50. Well, right then and there, we know that the mother's transmitting the elevated blood levels to the child through the breast milk because she was still breastfeeding. We still couldn't find the, the, the source of her with her elevated blood levels. Finally, we, it got figured out. Then the doctor helped us. We, she had 
tea every day out of a specific cup, that tea, that cup, that water inside that cup would test negative. However, when she put a lemon in there, it would test positive. Like just mind boggling because the lemon, the acid from the lemon would eat away at the glaze that was on the inside and would then leach into the water and then she would drink the water. I mean, I mean, that's obviously a once in a lifetime kind of a situation. She was being poisoned by her teacup. Yes. Only when there was lemon in there. So when I tested it, it didn't come back positive because there was no lemon in it at the time. But the doctor asked us to do that, and she said, I drink it with lemon, and he 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 had known something, and he he pointed her towards testing that, and we did, and found incredibly high levels when there was a lemon, because it was eating away at the glaze, which was positive in on the tea, on the cup of the, the ceramic cup. Wow. Yep. So let's talk about people that are having work done in their homes. So, you know, right yep. now we're coming through the pandemic, and you know, a home improvement work is like at the highest you know scale right now right uh, because everybody's working from home and they're looking at all the projects that they want to get done and so you know when homeowners are hiring contractors and they are in these homes that are pre-78 and certainly in the 20s and 30s that you know where they're going to be disturbing you know trim and 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 potential areas right. of lead what should they be doing so let's first separate a couple of things. Let's make sure we separate a homeowner from a landlord because the rules are completely different. Okay. I want to get to the landlord later. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll right. get to the landlord. Right, right. So I just want to make sure we're talking about homeowners now. So a homeowner, so the Maryland state law says that any pre-1978 paint is considered to be automatically lead paint, whether it technically is or not, unless you prove otherwise. So it's just assume that anything built prior to 78 has lead paint. And the, e the new EPA law, I say new, it passed in 2010, says that a, if the contractor, if they're going to work on a pre-78 house, has to assume that it's got lead paint and use lead-safe work practices or prove that it's not lead paint. Okay? Okay. Now, the, so the problem that you have with this, you have kind of two things that, that contractors have a problem with. One is it costs about 20% more to use those lead safe work practices. So contractors, as a rule of thumb, don't bid, they don't want to do the, they don't want to do it that way because then they end up with a higher price than somebody that's bidding the job that's not. So it's really up to the homeowner that they're going to go out and make sure that they're going to follow, that they're going to hire an EPA certified contractor, which all contractors are supposed to be EPA certified. RRP would be the renovation, repair, uh, um, and painting contractor. Okay. Then, um, so they're going to hire that contractor. They're going to do it. But the, the other thing that contractors don't want to do is contractors don't like to be told by the government how to do their job. So if you are the homeowner, it's your job then to go out and talk to the contractor and say, I want to follow our RPP rules. And then you'll find that the contractors that don't want to follow those rules probably won't call you back. That's been my experience. Okay. Okay. So and and the way to follow those rules would be if you're getting home improvement work done by a contractor and you're living in a home that was built pre-1978, at the very least, they need to prove that the area that they're disturbing, um, that there isn't any lead paint to be disturbed oh. in that specific area. 
or or assume that it is lead paint and use the lead safe work practices. Puts up the plastic, puts up the warning signs. There's certain ways you clean. There's certain ways you have to sand and scrape. You have wet sand and wet scrape with collection bags. And there's certain way you have to dis- dispose of any waste that you have and double bag it and bring it to the the dump in you know a certain thickness of a of the plastic bags. Every, all these different rules they have to follow, and all the, them and all their workers have to be trained. And then at the at the very end, they have to prove that the property is safe. So, and this is kind of one of the key, one of the pressure points in lead paint for me to when I coach homeowners is that you know you can you can have a nuclear bomb go off in your house, and as long as you clean it up correctly, you're fine. So even if the contractor doesn't do things right, as long as you're not living there and it's cleaned up before you go back and and you know sleep in the house you're fine. So the contractor needs to either demonstrate, and there's different ways he can do that, that it's safe, that there's no lead dust left behind, or you call a third party lead paint company like like ourselves, and we will go out and take swipes and, and send them to a lab and just make sure there's no lead dust left behind from the renovation. That sounds a lot more expensive. To 20%, have a home. 20%. Yeah. So you're adding 20% to the, to the job. And so, I mean, guys, if you're out there, I mean, you know, certainly, you know, and you're getting home improvement work done at your house. I mean, Neil is giving some very valuable advice right here, especially if you have, you know, children, you know, you're, you're, you're a mom and you're pregnant and you have children up to six years of age, probably should make certain that these contractors do have, um, you know, this certification or that they're following these practices. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, commercial, you know, I, what, what I don't understand here. So two things, number one, um, I've heard from contractors that, you know, they don't need PPE, the the actual people doing the work and that's personal protection equipment or safety stuff. Like we all know about the N95 masks now where you may not have, ever heard that term before pre-COVID. Um, but is it true that these, is it the same now as it was the last time that we spoke? It's been a couple of years. I mean, do these contractors or, you know, is it a, a requirement that they get protected when they're, you know, by respirators and things like that? Yes. And it depends on the type of work they're doing. Okay. So and that's part of their training. Um, one of the you know big mistakes they make is they wear those what it looks like a gas mask right um, with the little the thing that comes out the side mm-hmm. but then they have the wrong filter in there so they they have the, they think they're safe and they're breathing through the lead dust because they got the wrong filter it needs to be the purple HEPA filter okay um, but and so and, and so lots of times you'll see homeowners think they're being safe by just wearing a normal mask you know a one dollar mask but it it should be the HEP, the full-blown gas mask looking respirator that you're talking about with the purple HEPA filter. And all this stuff, you know, we can go into these details, Todd, but all this stuff's on the web. If you want to, if somebody's interested, they can find all the different procedures to follow to do a lead safe. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll, we'll actually post a couple of those posts and, okay. you know, after, um, you know, we're finished up here when we you know, kind of push this out, we'll make sure that you guys have links below and certainly all of Neil's information as well. Uh, because he's an expert at this. And um, and I've personally used uh, Neil. So I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. And I want to talk about landlords. Uh, can we, so, can we, 
Can we go back to, I want to address Absolutely. one thing sure. about the homeowner. So one of the things that happens when you get a contractor that, and it's important to you that the contractor do it right and they don't do it right, it can become a living nightmare. Okay, so let's say you're still living in the house where you're getting this construction work done. They're not following the rules. There's lead dust everywhere. Now you have to move out into a hotel or into the in-laws house. Then the, 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 the lead dust can get sucked through the HVAC system and disperse among all your rooms, even if they're not doing the lead paint um, uh, renovations in those rooms. Then you say, okay, well, no big deal. We just have to clean those rooms. Okay, but what do you do to the bedspreads? What do you do to all the clothes? What do you do to the couches? You know, all that furniture, you know, that lead dust will land on any horizontal surface. So I've seen people with $1,000, $2,000 dry cleaning bills. They take their whole closets out and, and, and take them to get dry cleaned because they don't want to get the lead dust that's on them. So just know that if, you're, if, if lead poisoning or lead paint is important to you because you have a young child or you're a pregnant woman, you know, you should definitely – do it right from up front because it can just be a nightmare if you don't try to fix it later. Okay. The other thing I want to say is it's very, you know, you're talking about a 10, a 20, a 30, a 40, a 80, a $200,000 renovation job, whatever the dollar amount is, the average cost to do the lead paint test is only about $300, maybe 400 if it's a big house. Okay. And that will tell you where the lead paint is. So you might find in your 1950s house that you're lead free. That is so worth the three or $400 test to be able to save, you know, if you're doing a $50,000 rehab at, at a 20% markup for lead safe, that's a $10,000 additional expense that you would then save by a $400 lead test. So it's definitely worthwhile to talk to a lead professional, get their opinion before you start the process. Cause you, by doing the testing up front, you might be able to save thousands of dollars. Yeah. So Neil, um, and just because, you know, Ronnie here is asking the question too, if you could just repeat that again. So Ronnie's asking what the typical cost of lead paint testing. Um, and, uh, so you, uh, you said that was about 350 or $400. Well, we do, our cost, we charge like two ninety five in the Baltimore City, Baltimore County area. Then it can go up to three forty five in Montgomery, PG, different you know farther out counties. And of course, if you're over three thousand square feet, it can go a little bit higher. But you're looking at around three hundred, maybe three fifty. You know, ninety five percent are in that range. And Neil, just to kind of go over that a little bit, you actually um, you have an X ray machine. Yes. Right. So you actually x-ray and I think it's a couple hundred shots. Right. Talk a little bit about that uh, capability. Yeah. So we. It, so first off, it is an x-ray gun. We, we actually need a radiation permit from the state to carry it. Now, it's not dangerous. OK. And it can shoot through all the layers of paint and determines if there's lead paint in that, you know, one inch square area that you're shooting. OK. Now, there's very strict protocols on how you test a house that we have to follow. OK, and it's kind of like taking the sampling if you were polling for the president, meaning you're going to sample a thousand people and you kind of tell who's going to win the presidency. Same kind of thing. As long as you follow those protocols, what HUD has determined is we'll take the 100 to 200, 300 readings, whatever those protocols dictate for that particular house. And if it all comes back negative, there's a 95 percent chance that, that house is actually lead free. Okay. So it takes somewhere between, you know, an hour to two hours, just depending. Okay. And, and you we, actually do inside and out, right? Inside, exterior, your your uh, outbuildings, if you have barns and garages and things like that also. 
So we have, um, so we'll answer one more question here before we get into landlording. So Ruth is asking, what is the difference from a testing standpoint uh, and certifying a place lead free and lead safe? Great question. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this question for a homeowner, and then I'm gonna answer a little bit differently for a landlord when we, we start talking about that. So lead free means just kind of what it sounds, that it's been certified that it met, meets the Maryland standard for what constitutes a lead free house. So there's no lead paint on the interior or the exterior. Lead safe means there is lead paint there, or it's assumed to be there, and there's no chipping, peeling, flaking paints. Remember, that's what causes the problem, right? So we do a visual inspection to make sure there's no chipping, peeling, flaking paint. And then you might take dust wipes from each room, send them to a lab to make sure there's no lead dust present. And if you pass that, you can say your, your house is safe. But, and this is like really critical, the thing to remember is that lead safe inspection is a moment in time inspection. Just because it's, it's safe today doesn't mean it's safe six months from now or eight months from now because the paint could deteriorate over time. The windows can go up and down. You know, all the lead dust can occur. So that's the kind of tricky thing about lead safe is that it's a moment in time test. All right. Well, let's dive into the landlord uh, okay, good. You know, slot here. So <laughs> I'm a landlord myself. Yep. And I know, Neil, you know, um, now I'll plug you a little bit. I know you've been my guy for the better part of 10 years in, uh, you know, uh, what I am buying properties. I always send you out to say, Hey, check this place out. Let me know if there's any lead and where, if any. And a lot of times that is the decision that the process that we use, um, in our due diligence to determine mm -hmm. whether we even want to buy the place or not, because we don't want to deal with lead. And in fact, if you're a landlord, it, you know, um, or you're looking at jumping into this space, something really important that you need to know now, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the legal side of it, um, is that most banks or lenders, if you're looking for a long-term solution in financing your rental or your investment, a lot of the banks now, they won't even finance something unless it's lead free. They don't want lead safe because they know that there is that risk. So. I want to just kind of take you guys back and, and Neil will uh, zoom in on some of these dates, but the way it used to be in the old days, I guess we'll just say that. Um, and, and Neil, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but there used to be insurance for things like lead paint claims or whatever. And there used to be like ceilings on what could, you know, what somebody that was poisoned, you know, experienced lead paint poisoning, you know, what they could actually come back on the landlord and and um, and actually win. And then at some point um, they were saying that that wasn't enough. I think it was twenty thousand dollars. Was it, Neil? Twenty thousand at one point. Seventeen five. Seventeen thousand five. OK, so that was like the cap. Right. And then what the legislator said was, you know what? And the lobbyists, they said, that's ridiculous. I mean, if somebody has lead paint poisoning, from a child and they're going to live with this for potentially the rest of their life. 17.5 is nothing. And then they really couldn't decide on what that should be. And as the session was coming to an end, they just decided that they were just going to not have a ceiling on what the claim amount could be. Um, right. So your, 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 your reasoning is spot on. Okay. The, actual, the actual way that happened though, was the 17,500 became law 
And then uh, several, many years later, five, 10 years later, whenever it was in 2010, the Maryland Court of Appeals, which is the Supreme Court in Maryland, overturned, said that was an unconstitutional law because the, the, the child might be facing a half a million dollars of, ex, of medical expenses over the next 50 years of his life. And to give him 17.5 was, was unconstitutional. So landlords thought they had protection all going into 2010. And then overnight, it disappeared. And so that's, that's when everybody started calling me saying, we want to sell our rental properties. And the interesting thing that went along with that is they said that these, you know, uh, landlords can't hide behind their corporate, you know, shields or corporate veils. And they actually pierced the corporate veil saying that if you are actually sued on a lead paint case, that it's personal to the owners of those properties. And that really scared the living daylights out of the investors. And so, you know, is it still that way today? In Baltimore City, yes. So that's a very specific um, ruling that went against Baltimore City because the way the Baltimore City code is written. But what most landlords don't understand, because they don't understand that case, is that it doesn't, even if you have a management company operate, if you have the ability to buy or sell it, to, you know, to sell the property, they can, they, the law considers that you have control and they pierce through all your trusts, all your LLCs, all your corporations, and it becomes personal liability. And there's just no way around that. And if you talk to a lead paint lawyer in, you know, whether it be a, de, a, a defendant lawyer, somebody who defends landlords, they will tell you that most of the time you're going to lose between 97 and 99% of the time. And the way, and, and I don't know, and I know, you know, you and I have spoken about a specific, you know, story um, that I want you to talk about when you went <laughs> to lunch with a, one attorney. And, um, but before we get into that, I really want to talk about um, what I heard was, you know, somebody, you know, test positive for lead. And then there's a period of time, maybe 18 years or whatever, when they're 18 years old, and you'll clear that up. But basically what happens is if you, if they lived in five or six places, you know, during their adolescent years, basically they throw everybody into that bucket and they sue everybody and then basically it comes down to you, the landlord, needing to actually defend yourself versus or determining, you know, who all is going to pay the bill, you know, the the claim. And, and you know, so clear that up. And is there I mean, so am I it's, on it's, target? It's, you're on target, but it's actually worse than what you said. OK, because what happens is they yes, they're going to take on those five places where the kid where the child used to live. But they're also going to sue every place that child visited and played. So sometimes it's not it's not unheard of to have if you're on the 3200 block of pick a street Kenyon and you'll see 20 houses 20 owners on Kenyon being sued because the plaintiff said that their child played at that house. So it could be wow. like 30 defendants in a, in a because what does it cost the attorney just to put somebody's name on there? Then you have to prove then you're going to even if you even if you have a lead free cert, you might spend thousands of dollars in legal fees just to get yourself off the you know, off the lawsuit. It's, it's just unbelievable. So is that any homeowner that had yeah. this child play at their house? It's not just a landlord. It's anyone. They, I mean, the, you know, I mean, we all know how, what these attorneys are like. They just put anybody on there and they just let the, they throw the throw 30, 30 owners against the wall and see what sticks. And Interesting. that's just, 
And the problem is, you know, we all know that as landlords, your profit margin might be two or three hundred dollars a month. And you'll blow through seven years of profit in one in one three months of legal bills, just three months, let alone yeah. going going to trial. Yeah. So you see where this goes, guys, you investors or you landlords. Let's let's just fast track this conversation. If you're not certified lead free, and that's what I heard actually from an attorney, that that's probably like your only you know, saving grace, you still have to hire an attorney. But if you can say, hey, since I've owned this property, it's been certified lead free. I don't know, Neil, does that get you a get out of court free ticket at that point? Well, I'm going to say two things. So first off, so yes and no. Okay. So first of all, if you're certified lead free, the chances of you getting sued go down dramatically. I mean, exponentially. You know, of all the times, because the chances of a child getting elevated blood levels from that house are very slim. Okay. So if you look at the, you know, we say we deal with like maybe three elevated blood levels cases a month. So I've dealt with three or 400 of those over the years. You know, 95% of them are in houses that are lead safe and not lead free. So just by going lead free, you've you've lowered your forget about the politics and the lawsuit. You just lowered it dramatically because people aren't going to get elevated blood levels because there's no lead there. Okay, that's number one. Number two is it's not a get out of jail free card, but it seems that most attorneys do if they they might double check. So if you produce a lead free certificate, they might send their lead guy in um, to check, and as long as it comes back lead free, they'll probably let you off the off the case. Now, that's just what I've seen happen. I'm not an attorney. It doesn't always happen that way. Some attorneys are jerks, as you know, but it, you're still going to pay some legal fees just to be, you know, once you get served with a lawsuit, you got to hire an attorney. So it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's scary from that point. A lot of people ask me, and this is kind of what you're getting at, Todd, and they ask me, should I own a property with lead in it? And here's what I tell them, because it's, you know, some people have no problem with that. But what I tell them is that all my sophisticated clients, and I'll define sophisticated clients as clients with money to lose, will not rent out properties with lead to people. Now, they might have properties that still have lead. They rented out 10 years ago. But as the tenants turn over, they're, they're making them lead free. You know, they're not, they're not buying. Pro if the properties have lead, they're making them lead free before they put tenants in them when they buy them. So the sophisticated clients that have lawyers and know how this works are not, as a rule of thumb, are not running out properties with lead on the inside to tenants. Some of them will go be okay with lead on the outside because the chances of getting lead poison from the outside is very slim. And the cost to make something lead free on the outside can be very high with the, with garages and, tr and cornices and soffits and fascias. There can be a lot of different work involved. And so a lot of a lot of people, 80% of those sophisticated clients are fine with it being lead free on the inside. And the other 20% want it to be lead free inside and out. So, so I'll, just leave, I'll leave it at that. So what about if you had a rental property and it was, you know, limited or lead safe, you know, and you've sold that property and the liability, I guess they, they come and find you, right? I mean, it's, so if you were the landlord at the time that this child lived in the. Yeah. So, 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 uh, so Todd, let's just, let's say you're a contractor hypothetically, and I hire you to go remodel my bathroom and I, and you, and I put up, I give you a thousand dollars down and you disappear and you never do any work. I have, I think, I think the statute of limitations on fraud is three years or something like you defrauded me, right? I have three years ago after you. 
Well, the statute of limitations on lead paint is three years also, but it's three years from when the child turns 18 and becomes an adult and can make a choice for themselves if they want to sue their landlord. So the real problem is that you have almost up to 21 years, which is just mind-boggling to me that somebody can come after. You can be retired living in Florida and start facing lead paint lawsuits that come left and right because they've got up to 21 years to go after you. Three years from when the child turns 18. So I have another question here from Ruth. Uh, once a property, specific property, is certified lead free, does that designation stay with the property uh, via registration with MDE, I guess, even as it transfers ownership, maybe? Yep. Yep. So lead certificates, whatever lead certificate you have, it doesn't matter if it's lead free, limited lead free, or, or what what you would call lead safe, but technically it's called a full risk reduction, which is the dust wipes. Okay. All your lead certs go with the property, not with the owner. So if you tran if, if as long as it's still valid and you tran and you sell the property, that certificate is still valid for the new owner. Gotcha. So tell your story about your lunch with the attorney that we were talking about, you know, uh, you know, kind of blew my mind, but you know, let's so, yeah. So there, yeah, there's, there's, there's two stories in here. So this was a, a defendant attorney. So I, I only do work for defendants, you know, landlords, cause that's who, that's where my focus is. And so and I, and I would do a lot of work for him, Todd, where I'd like, he, he would want me to go test a property where the kid used to live 20 years ago. So I have to like knock on the door that nobody lived. I mean, it's 20 years ago. This is a different owner, 10 different owners since then have to talk my way. And sometimes I, have to, I pay the tenant to let me in and do the lead test. And he's, and I might have to go 10 times to try to get in. So I sit down with the guy. So you're spending all this money, seven, $8,000 having me test 10 properties for one lead paint lawsuit. I go, are you getting these people off? And he started laughing hysterically. He goes, we never get anybody off. He goes, what I use you for, Neil, is I get the judgment from 1.7 million down to 1.1 million. And that was like mind-boggling to me. And then he gave he said, here's how bad it is, Todd. And this this is the ultimate blow your mind story. He said he defended a landlord where they proved, they proved that the mother sold the kids into slavery. That's how bad of a mother she was. They proved that she sold the kids into slavery. But, one of the, but before they did that, one of the kids tested positive and they still lost a million dollar verdict, even though they could prove how bad the mom was, how she didn't take care of the kids, didn't take care of the house. It doesn't matter if you're the landlord. So it, it, I, 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 I want to be responsible, Todd, because some people hear this and they just it, they see me talking about the, the liability is so great, but it all can be. You know, I used to own restaurants. And even though I might have had insurance for salmonella, if, a, if somebody had salmonella or gets E. coli, I'm out of business. And even if I might get some insurance in case somebody sues me, my business is still toast, right? So as a business owner, you just have to decide what risk you're willing to take. And most sophisticated landlords are willing to take the risk as long as the inside is lead free. So don't let all my stories like completely scare you. They're intended to scare you a little bit. But you can probably you can take the appropriate actions to protect yourself as long as you feel okay with that liability that you're taking on. And I guess that's a lot of times why these landlords are calling up saying that they only want properties that are after 78, because at that point, you know, it was illegal to use lead paint. And chances right. are, you know, you're in the clear. Um, do you ever see anybody sued that has a house that was built after 78? I, I've never seen that. Okay. 
And so let's talk. I mean, there's no insurance for this, right? I mean, there's so, yeah. no insurance that well, a landlord can get. Well, for- there used to be insurance up until about 1990, give or take. And what happened was they started getting so many lawsuits, the insurance companies start, stopped insuring people in, in around 1990. So that's why the insurance is kind of, um, uh, it's, it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, not expired, but has, um, has, so landlords used to go after the, uh, sorry, the attorneys used to go after the landlords because they had insurance. And then once you get a guilty verdict, the insurance company has to pay. You know, gets when you get a judgment against you. So, but now it's a little bit different because there's no insurance. So, you there is still some insurance available, but only for only for large landlords are going to insure 30, 40, 50 properties and can get like a blanket lead paint coverage on that. So, there, it, that does exist. It's expensive, but I do know that people do get it, but it's only available for large landlords. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't even know it was available. So, that's good. Yep. That's good information. Um, so what are you seeing the claims now? I mean, so, you know, obviously you were talking about getting from a 1.7 million down to 1.2 million. No one has that or very few people have that. So um, it's it's horrible. It's frightening. But what do you see people getting now? I see, I see the attorneys getting what the person can afford to pay. So if the person only has 20,000 to their name, that's what they're getting. If they have 80,000, that's what they're getting. So, but I can't, what the person has to their name? Yeah. Like everything. It's, you, yeah. it's all of it. Because, because Exactly. Like if, if, so a lot of the negotiation is just what you can afford to pay. And you might have to, you might have to, you might have to sign, have an affidavit of your net worth statement. And if you don't have any money, they'll just take what you have. Now the, um, so the, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, um, I was going to, I was going to say something to what you just said about the, uh, the amount of money that they're yeah. getting. So, um, yeah. So having like pay free and clear properties that are paid off is oh. not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But even they if they get you the only, property, yeah. Even if you have only 20 grand, in your name, you say, I don't have much to risk. I'm telling you the wear and tear and the negative energy and the concern and the stress you're going to go through as they threaten you with all these things and these courts and lawsuits and judgments, it is so not worth it. I mean, I just can't explain to you all the not just the money, but just the stress you're going to go through over a multi-year process as you deal with somebody suing you. Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're getting ready to wrap up here. We've got uh, about five minutes left. Okay. So um, anything else you'd like to tell people about, um, you know, this whole lead paint thing, you know, obviously it's a lot more serious. They've found out now as time goes on, it's a lot more dangerous and, you know, causes more harm than we originally knew. Um, any parting words of advice? Well, I'm not so, I'm not so much about parting words. Well, let, me say one th- one, let me say one thing we didn't cover that I want to cover is that okay. to be able to test for lead-free, you have to have a higher level of accreditation and you need the $17,000 x-ray machine. So there's 400 lead paint inspectors in Maryland, give or take, and only about 40 or 50 of us have those x-ray guns. So if you call a lead paint inspection company and they don't, they're, they're, and they don't have the gun, they're not going to even tell you about lead free. So my advice to you, whether you, whoever you hire, whether it be us or somebody else, that you go out and get somebody who can give you objective advice, who has the highest level of accreditation and can walk you through what would be the best thing for your specific property. Okay. Um, because if you can't, you could have a 1977 property that's lead free, but if you hire the guy with, that doesn't have the gun, you won't get the lead free certificate. So I want to make sure people really understood that. Um, cause that's a lot that I see a lot of frustration with landlords on that. 
Um, I think we've you've talked a lot, Todd, about the negatives and the liability and all that. And, and, and I just want to leave people with there's plenty of landlords that do it right, have lead free properties, take care of business and never get sued. So it is something you have to worry about. But I don't think it's quite as bad as we I mean, it is as bad as we made it seem, but it doesn't it shouldn't turn you off from real estate investing. It should just be something that you have to make an informed decision about, about what kind of risk you want to take to be a landlord in today's world. Well, I, I think you said the key word, lead free. Yes. So, you know, if if you want to landlord and uh, something that, like you said, where you have uh, the potential to build wealth or to accumulate, and this is something that you want to depend upon as passive income, which is the primary reason why people go through all this stuff. I mean, you know, not all tenants are great. You know, it's not you know, it's a business. So it's like any other business It comes with its troubles and that kind of yep. stuff. So, you know, if you're committed to doing it, I think the key takeaway here tonight is to make sure that all of your properties are lead free and no matter where you live, you know, whether the law is that way in your town or not, no matter where you are in the United States, um, you know, make sure that you're taking Neil's advice and that if you're, um, you can call Neil if you're in Maryland. I certainly have used him for years and he's the only one I use. And uh, that's that. why he's on this show um, because, you know, I trust what he does and, and all of my properties are lead free and we would only have it that way. Um, so take that as good advice. And guys, if you're doing those home improvement contracts at home, we want you safe and make sure that you're taking Neil's advice with that, that you are, you know, taking those precautions and we'll post some links for you in the show notes. And we thank you so much for your oh, time this Tuesday evening. My pleasure. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasure. And guys, thank you for watching. And we're every Tuesday night on Tuesday Night Live where we bring you anything and everything real estate. And if you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe and that bell if you're on YouTube or follow us in your favorite social media channel and audio podcast channel. And see you next time. Thanks, Dad. Take care. Thank you. Sachs Realty, Maryland broker number 607720, office number 443-318-4514, equal housing opportunity.